everyone. I am here with Alex Tarnava. He is the founder of Drink HRW, and we're here to talk about hydrogen water, the benefits of hydrogen water, the studies related to hydrogen water, and how it can help you improve your health. Now, I'm going to have Alex take over and uh, tell us about his background and how he got into this. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Yeah, great having you here, Alex. Yeah, I mean, uh, my story is a little bit like yours. I was motivated by my own health. Um, I got uh, pretty sick about five years ago, um, the prime of my athletic career. Um, I was 29. Um, I, I was training six to eight hours a day in, in various martial arts and CrossFit. Um, and I was actually training for a CrossFit competition. And I developed sudden onset narcolepsy. I was sleeping 16 to 18 hours a day. I had central nervous system shut down. Uh, my C-reactive protein levels were at 34, whatever it is, milligrams a deciliter or something. You know, they're like over 11 times normal. I was severely wow. anemic despite being on six to 8,000 calories a day, right? Wow. For my training. Um, and, uh, you know, with the central nervous system shut down, it meant I had no explosive movements. You know, I went from a 54-inch plyometric jump to not being able to jump an inch off the ground onto a plate, right? But at the same time, none of my strength was affected. My deadlift mm -hmm. and squat didn't, didn't budge. Um, so at the same time, my best friend and roommate, he had been training for a triathlon, and he was a competitive uh, triathlete, more competitive in things like Spartan races, obstacle course races, a guy that ran like a 34 10 K at the end of a, a triathlon, very fit. Um, he developed pneumonia. He missed three weeks of work and had to go to the hospital several times. Um, so we both had some sort of virus. It ravaged us. And then both of us, it ended up in long-term health consequences. When mm -hmm. the dust settled, I had arthritis in eight spots. Right? Wow. My shoulder was um, moderate to advanced osteoarthritis. Basically mm -hmm. overnight, it, it froze. Right. So, um, I ended up getting, um, you know, cortisone injections and going on a thousand milligrams of naproxen a day. It mm -hmm. wasn't very long, um, until I developed multiple ulcers. Right. So I had to quit. Right. And after a couple cortisone injections, um, with trying to continue training, I had partially torn my rotator cuff. Uh, my orthopedic surgeon didn't want to let me continue having cortisone injections because he said, I'm just making it worse, right? I'm getting rid of the inflammation and training as if nothing was wrong. Uh, and at that time, I, I was just really desperate to find something. You know, my shoulder was completely frozen. I couldn't sleep at night. How long were you having these issues after you stopped the, the intensive training? Um, after I stopped the intensive training, my shoulder was still so bad it was within days of stopping naproxen that I completely had a frozen shoulder. So I couldn't put on a jacket, um, couldn't lift my arm up. Uh, but did you did, like, how long was the period? Cause obviously the training was a contributing factor. Oh, these, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, um, I, so how long did you stop your training is what I'm asking until like my shoulder froze. So my shoulder froze until I got on the naproxen, got a cortisone injection. Mm-hmm after the dust settled from being sick mm -hmm. and I continued training, but not to the same level. Instead of six to eight hours a day, I was maybe training two hours a day, five days a week. Uh, I've scaled it back a bit. That was from September to April, May right? Mm -hmm. is when I developed the ulcers. So um, it, it definitely increased my damage in that time, continuing to do things like power cleans and, you know, deadlifts and, you know, snatches and going overhead. But um, when uh, it got really bad, I was just, I, I was desperately searching PubMed, looking for mm -hmm. anything that could kind of regulate the inflammatory response. And hydrogen kept on popping up, um, which was a bit frustrating because I already owned a machine to make hydrogen water. Mm -hmm was doing nothing and mm -hmm. I got in the machine to make hydrogen water largely because I, I was aware of the hydrogen research for a few years before that on its ability to um, selectively, you know, uh, reduce the hydroxyl radical. Mm -hmm. But um, 
it just kind of dawned on me. I bought this machine for like 4,500 or $5,000. How do I even know it's making hydrogen? Right. Cause okay. a salesman told me it made hydrogen. What about, what about the bubbles? That doesn't tell you anything you're saying. Doesn't, it doesn't tell you anything. Um, it, and, uh, there wasn't very many bubbles, you know, and you see the bubbles. Right. Eating, so like, right, right. They dissipate. You got to like drink it right after maybe. Yeah. Well, on that machine, when I ended up getting it tested, it, it had no detectable hydrogen. Um, and this was how long after the bubble stopped? Immediately. When, when you test it immediately. So this was a, a machine where you flow, right? Okay. Your constant flow of hydrogen water. Mm. Um, an ionizer machine, right? By electrolysis. So testing immediately. Um, it, it had no detectable hydrogen. In fact, I had to triple the volume to reduce okay. one drop. So it was about 0.03 parts per million of hydrogen, which okay. is way below the therapeutic dose. So that company basically told me, they say there's hydrogen in the water, but they don't guarantee any amount. And that's more mm-hmm. than water, right? So that was 3.3 parts per million. 0.03 parts per oh, million. Oh, 0.03. Because I was thinking 3.3 actually, based on my recollection, sounds yeah. like it's pretty good. Yeah, that would be one of the highest doses on the planet at 3.3. No, it was 0.03. So it was nowhere close to therapeutic. Um, yeah, that's nothing. You won't feel anything from that. Um, so rather than feeling cheated, well, I did feel cheated, but I actually was hopeful. I'm like, maybe hydrogen can still help me because I haven't been getting hydrogen. So right. I started buying the full studies on the early human research to see how um, the, the you know researchers we're making it. And the only really two methods they were using was um, either bubbling hydrogen through water, through gas tanks, which wasn't really feasible to have a giant H2 tank in my house. And um, also uh, in reading some of the papers, they'd have to bubble gas for like half an hour. So now you're bubbling straight gas into an enclosed space for half an hour. It could be explosive or using magnesium, right? Um, so I started uh, researching a lot on how to get the magnesium to work. I, I bought magnesium sticks. They didn't work very well. Um, tried a few methods that currently were using magnesium. They, they didn't get very much hydrogen. And the most impressive results were the studies that had the highest dosages of H2, the highest concentrations. Um, so I went to uh, just kind of did everything I could, and I found um, – a certain, you know, powdered magnesium, right, that, that I assessed as would create the smallest bubbles and, you know, um, have the, the best results. And I started making these tablets, right, mm-hmm. pressing them by hand and experimenting with formulations, changing it, experimenting. And um, in not long, I was getting, you know, in a sealed container, um, three or four ppm. Mm-hmm. When I started chugging that down, and I was drinking several of those a day, my shoulder completely loosened. And mm-hmm. at that time, um, my hip had like completely seized too. Mm-hmm. My left hip. I went from, you know, being able to play rubber guard on my left side and jujitsu to be able to touch my ankle to my face quite easily to not being able to do a butterfly. Mm-hmm. So stiff. So everything really loosened up. Um, and then I said, okay, maybe I'm imagining this. I, I tend to be a skeptic. So I stopped making the tablets and drinking it. Mm-hmm. Within days, I completely seized up again. <laughs> so I started drinking the water again, and I loosened up again, okay. it, you know, about a week. And I loosened back up. And I'm like, this is, this is wild. So I started making them for myself. And then I actually started making them for a few friends and family members. Mm-hmm. And feedback was very strong from everyone. I gave them just people who were stiff, had, you know, issues with, you know, like that and injuries. Uh, But then uh, I thought to myself, okay, I think I'm doing everything properly, but there could be something big I'm missing. Right. So I found um, a resume online for a contract, you know, researcher and and, uh, it was a PhD medicinal chemist. And I asked him to look over what I was doing. Um, he told me it was the worst pseudoscience he'd ever heard in his life. And to save my money, I sent him a publications. Um, he said, okay, well, 
there seems to be some evidence that you can use this as a supplement. Okay. Um, I just kept on firing off a new study every day while he was reviewing what I'd done. And mm -hmm. just serendipitously, I sent him something that was closely in line to the project he was working on for his pharmaceutical company. Mm -hmm. He said, listen, like there's something to this, you know, unless this is widespread fraud and academia, this stuff works. You should commercialize it. Are you looking mm -hmm. for it? Um, from there, we got the chemistry right in a few weeks to really refine it, um, to do it in a closed container. We were getting about 4 ppm in five minutes in a sealed container. Mm -hmm. Scaling up from making 10 tablets to 10 million tablets has a lot of challenges. Okay. So as a year, 2,000 more iterative adjustments and 15 failed scale-up attempts at manufacturers until we got our first production-ready tap. And mm -hmm. along the way, some of the challenges we were working on um, which really frustrated us, you know, when we we're doing different things to, to get it to work in production, we're like, why is this not working now? Um, we're actually creating this cloud that you see, and it was sparging up the saturated gas. Mm -hmm. um, we just realized, you know, why are we fighting this? You know, so there, there's a Isaac Asimov quote that I really like that people think, you know, discoveries are met with Eureka. I've done it, but really they're hot. Huh, that's funny. So it was a few months of failure and fighting this phenomenon until we said, why don't we embrace it? And that's when we invented the open cup tablet. Mm -hmm. right? You can just drop it in a cup of water and we're getting like 10 ppm in a bottle, mm -hmm. right? In an open cup. Wow. And, so, and 10 ppm is the amount that was released or is that the amount that is going in your body? We're measuring it in, in uh, titration and like gas chromatography. So depending on temperature of the water, um, and this is in 500 milliliters of water, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So that's about a five milligram dosage of hydrogen. So one tablet a day puts it at the highest, um, dose at the highest end of the clinical research. Um, and our clinical research is two. um, our biggest clinical trial that's under review is using three tablets a day mm -hmm. in vitro. There's a very clear dose dependent response. In fact, um, it shows a dose-dependent response all the way to a supersaturated medium, which would be saturating every cell in your body with hydrogen gas, right? So that's impossible to do to a human body, right? So getting a higher dosage is very, very important. Um, mm -hmm. We want to increase that cellular level of, of H2. And uh, that's kind of what we've done in, in developing the highest dosage protocol. So, um, somebody puts a tablet in a 500 milliliter glass cup, let's say, and how long does it take to dissolve, let's say? And What's the ideal length of time that an individual would drink it after? You, you want to gulp it down immediately, right? So, depending... But it, but it takes some time for it to dissolve. Yeah, right? yeah. So, depending on water temperature, source water, and actually the shape of the container... It could take anywhere from 40 seconds to three minutes, right? Okay. So fat, the warmer the water is, the faster it's going to dissolve. Actually, mm -hmm. if hot water like tea, it might be 25, 30 seconds. Mm. We tend to say the 10 ppm is based on about 18 Celsius water, right? Um, in 500 milliliters of distilled or RO. So if you're okay. using a high pH water or a high mineral content water, there's more TDS in there. Mm. that we're using to facilitate the reaction are now buffering a lot of the minerals and the you know pH already in the water, so it's going to slow it down. Mm. All the ingredients that need to be solubilized in the water uh, are going to take longer to become solubilized because there's already solids dissolved in the water. Mm -hmm. right? So 18 degrees Celsius is what in Fahrenheit around? 64. Okay. Um, and... So that, uh, let's see, um, yeah, so that would be like lukewarm water or what? Yeah, um, a little cool. cooler than room temperature. A little cooler than room temperature, right. It's pretty tight uh, between, between about uh, 12C, which I think is in the 50s, all the way to about 25C, which is in the 80s. It's pretty tight within about 10%. Oh, so that's not a big deal. So if you go to ice water, all of a sudden it takes three and a half minutes. Right, so you're actually retaining less of the H2, 
or if you use hot water, like boiling water, like tea, it's reacting too fast. And also mm. so much faster that it's dissipating quickly. So uh, the range is really the, the, the um, temperature of the water that people are going to drink anyway. They're not really drinking ice cold water. It, it, exactly. Not many people are using it like tea, right? right. And uh, I just say don't use ice water. Right, right. So yeah, just drink normal temperature water. Yeah. And it, and yeah. And gulp it down right away. Right. Gulp it um, down right away as as it's dissolving or like give it I, twenty I, seconds. As soon as the tablet rises to the surface and it starts breaking apart, okay. chug it down. When the okay. water is like milky white like that, you want to chug it down if you can in one gulp, right? So if you find that you can't drink five hundred milliliters, but you can drink 250 milliliters the reaction the dissolution kinetics aren't linear but you're better off dropping it in 250 or 300 milliliters if you can do it in one gulp right okay um we're producing up to 10 liters of h2 gas from you know our bacteria breaking down carbohydrates right every mm. so hydrogen drinking hydrogen works by spiking our cellular concentration for a few minutes which then has all these benefits in cell signaling, alterations in gene expression. So if you're slowly sipping a bit of hydrogen water all day long, you're not getting this spike in cellular concentration. So you want that spike in cellular concentration? Spike. And, and uh, in vitro, it shows the higher the spike goes, the, the stronger the benefits. Interesting. So yeah, just uh, for people looking, this is the hydrogen tablets. And I'll show my new label too, so they can oh, see. Oh, okay. You got a new label. We we have a, a little bit of inventory left with those labels, but um, okay, cool. Yeah, new packaging. We did it because we actually just got uh, informed sports certified, mm -hmm. right? So we've been tested against all banned substances that you know, WADA that oversees like Olympics and. Oh, I got it. Okay, um, interesting. A label redesigned to show that we've been through the whole battery of testing. Interesting. So. Just, um, I can tell you based on my experience, what I've done and, uh, you know, some people send me stuff and I test them out. And so I was actually skeptical of these hydrogen tablets and I actually didn't try it out for like three to four months or more. I don't know. Maybe it was six months or longer. I really don't remember. It was just, I got it and it was like, all right, I'll, I'll get to that. Uh, yeah. but essentially, you know, um, my girlfriend was saying like, you know, uh, Hey, uh, like I want to try out hydrogen. I'm like, Oh, we have a whole bunch of it. You know, I should try it out as well. So I tried out and, um, like I, I did it your way and, and it wasn't really working for me so much. And the reason I didn't like it is because I didn't like the taste of the water. And I know you have so different it, flavors. Ones yeah, 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 exactly. So that's a different situation. I'm just talking about the unflavored ones. I also didn't like just standing there and drinking water for like, you know, it, it seemed like um, somewhat of a big task for me, right? Like I'm, I'm a pill guy. I'm like, let me, you know, <laughs> give me the pill. So what I did was I said, okay, let me try out. I first tried out like three tablets and then I said, let me try out like six tablets and I just uh, swallowed them. So I, I know you messaged that and we can't recommend that. Um, for a, a younger, healthier guy like you, there's probably no issues with that whatsoever. Um, just for safety, I've taken 20. Right. Once. Just right. see what happens. You just, you just burp like crazy. And get right. <laughs> yeah. So um, what I can say is that... that um, for older people, right, to yeah. do that, um, if you don't have enough stomach acid, right, it could not dissolve fast enough. The reaction's at exothermic. It could sit against your stomach lining. It could create ulcers. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I can definitely see that as well. So the thing is, I agree that, uh, you know, the way you guys are recommending it is smart because there's always these edge cases and you guys don't want to get sued and, and people don't want to lose their lives or, or not or, or have serious side effects. Sorry? Yeah, yeah, even if it's a one in a million that it causes ulcers, right? right. We're, we're making millions of tablets a month. That right, means right. people would be getting... Exactly. Yeah, I know. It's, it's very possible. Like you said, if, if they're not producing enough stomach acid, if their gut lining is not that healthy, if they're old. Get the unhealthier you are, typically the less stomach acid you have, the weaker your stomach is. So the people who need hydrogen the most would be the ones 
most at risk. Worst. Right. Yeah. Wow. So the thing is, um, I agree that, that, that like doing it the way that you're describing is safer. It's just, you know, the way I, I realized that for me, I tried six, you know, again, it's because I know I'm healthy. It's a different situation. And then I, I also did it with like, I took it with food. I drank a lot of water. I wasn't stupid about it. And, and then I said, okay, so I, when I took six, I'm like, okay, I can already see that this works. And, and, and this, this is not like a placebo or anything or, you know, this works. There were some side effects like burping, like you said. <laughs> yeah, last if you're drinking the water, actually. Yeah, yeah, sure. Right. Um, right, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so, when you take six, yeah, you're going to burp. Even often I'll drop like five in a glass of water before a big workout, right? And um, I, I will burp a little bit. Uh, for others, I recommend because the reaction isn't linear right? You know, when you drop more in water, you're not doubling the dose, right? You might go up 50% for one, another 30% for two. Um, I don't really care about the cost of them. So I'll just get the highest dose I can. But uh, for other people, if you can say, drink one in 500 milliliters, chug it, drink another one in 500 milliliters, chug it, you're going to get the higher dose doing that. But the amount of water you can drink is an issue, right? Uh, now, I got it in water, um, say in inhalation. And the reason why about 65% of the human research uses water over inhalation mm -hmm. is um, studying the cellular concentrations, you know, the, with like CMAX and everything of H2 in the cells, it takes a hundred times more inhaled gas than when dissolved in water. We don't exactly know why, but it seems when you're inhaling it, you're exhaling most of it out. Whereas in water, it's actually reaching you a lot better. Interesting. Right. Interesting. So, uh, likely, again, if you say didn't drink water while you swallowed them, you might actually get a lot of it just being exhaled. We don't know yet, right? Because mm. we don't have the research. But if, you know, I know you said you drank a lot of water with it, that's probably just saturating the water in your stomach. But yeah. again, because there are potential dangers of doing it that way for certain parts of the population, you know, we couldn't even properly study that. Right, 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 right. right. In the elderly population because yeah so exactly. what i do now is i don't take six like as a you know that was kind of like an um a mega dosing experiment like taking a lot making sure i feel something from it and then what i do now is i just uh put one pill in my pill container i take it with food and with water and um i haven't had any issues right. that way don't take it with food uh one of my pending patents is on uh using um various polysaccharides fibers to create some gels with H2. So you're saying do uh, not take yeah. it with food? Yeah, yeah, no, don't. don't. Uh, probably it's better on an empty stomach. Right? Oh, interesting. Especially if you're having a lot of carbohydrates, right, in your food. Mm -hmm. um, polysaccharides actually, um, the cheapest and most effective is pectin, I've found. I can mm -hmm. turn pectin into jello shots with hydrogen that have over 100 you know, ppm. Um, and I, I have a pending patent on that, but what that means, because it's so stable, right? It's over, you know, hundred PPM sometimes and it's super stable. That means you're going to be getting a more slow, continuous dose. But if you're on an empty stomach, right, it's all being uptaken right away. I got it. That's interesting. I, I think that makes sense. I mean, the thing is, is that I, I think it's partly a convenience question. Yeah. Um, like I don't. It's harder. It's hard for me to take things on an empty stomach. It just is like I, I you know, I, I take one thing on an empty stomach right when I wake up, but I make sure yeah. that it's something that I can chew and eat, right? So I take it in like a chewable form. I, I, I feel you. I mean, like I said, I had multiple ulcers. I used to have a rock hard, you know, like steel drum of a stomach that I mm -hmm. could take any. Now, like I was on meds for like two years to repair my stomach lining. And it's not terrible, but it certainly isn't what it was five years ago. Right. It's, a lot of things bug me, but um, um, yeah, I, I just always like getting it up there. What probably is the most effective way. Right, right. Yeah, that's definitely interesting to know. Now, you mentioned inhalation. I've experimented with inhalation, and it was at one of these conferences, and it was really expensive, number one. So I didn't you know, it's not feasible to pay $6,000 for some of them charge like 10k. Yeah, I don't it could have been 10k or I, I really don't even know. A lot of these companies aren't really ethically saying what the dosage is, 
right? Like mm. say human research will say, oh, we used 4% inhaled gas, mm-hmm. 4% of the atmosphere, right? We're in eight liters a minute. Now this right. machine is 4% and the flow rate is one liter a minute on some of them. And they're charging uh-huh. six grand or eight grand. So really that's one eighth the dosage that's been used in the research. So there's ways you're saying that you can describe these things because there's hydrogen in the air. Uh, yeah, like a, a fraction, right? But right. You have to, again, get boost up the concentration. Um, so a lot of companies, and they even do it with PPM. That's why I was like saying, yeah, we'll get 10 PPM in 500 milliliters. But if you drop, you know, one tablet in the ocean, you're, you're getting 0.0 to a right, right, right. one, you know, PPM. Right, 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 right. So it's it's dissolving in in the atmosphere when you're breathing it in, and it's kind of like not actually getting into you, or in that, or or like with these machines that are commercialized, um, they'll say, oh, we're four percent hydrogen gas, just like the research. Well, yeah, the research uses four percent, but it's at eight liters a minute, which is what we're breathing in, right? Mm-hmm. You know, four percent of eight liters, right? Whereas mm-hmm. the machine is four percent of one liter. I see. Right. So you're still breathing in air that doesn't have the 4% to make up seven liters. And you're only getting this cannula with 4% of one liter going in. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually designing an inhalation unit with with a manufacturer overseas Mm -hmm. right now that will get the proper dosage that's used clinically. Interesting. And you're, you're, are you producing that for like uh, businesses or consumers? Uh, Consumers. Okay, so you're gonna make a consumer product? Yeah, because I, I actually did find the six K. What was that? It's gonna be a lot cheaper than six K. I did find that the inhalation stuff did have an effect. I I don't, you know, I like if if I breathe in oxygen, like an oxygen concentrator, I'll also feel maybe a similar effect or something like that. Some of the machines on the market are doing uh, two parts oxygen. Oxygen in one part, hydrogen, right? Yeah, and I mean, through a time and so if you're getting 67 percent oxygen, you're going to get high. That's yeah. why when you're in Vegas, you're sitting there talking, having drinks, and it's six in the morning, and you're not tired because they're right. pumping oxygen into the rooms. So, again, the research isn't great on using this this heavy oxygen with hydrogen. One, what's the flow rate? Two, when people are like, oh, wow, I feel great. Is that because they're high from the oxygen? Or because maybe the low dose of hydrogen, depending on their flow rate, was doing something. Right, right. Uh, yeah, that's, that was kind of like a confounding variable. It's like, if I'm breathing in oxygen, I can't really tell what the hydrogen here is doing or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, you know, that's a tough one. But um, in any case, so... That's really interesting. So now let's get to some of the benefits of hydrogen, right? You had yeah. your personal experience. Let's get to some of the benefits that, and, and list them in like the order that are most researched, Strong. if you will. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, most researched is athletic performance. You know, there's okay. most publications in humans on athletic performance. Um, we have uh, two publications in humans on, on our tablets on athletic performance. And we have more actually underway. Uh, so in our first uh, trial, it was mid-age overweight women. It was 28-day double-blind placebo-controlled crossover. So okay. all of our trials are placebo was a, a magnesium effervescent tablet, right? That makes CO2. It looks the same as a hydrogen tablet. It dissolves in the same time frame. It tastes roughly the same. It makes a, a white cloud of CO2, just like the white cloud of hydrogen. So it's very well placebo-controlled. Um, our first three trials were crossover design. So everyone did the hydrogen washout and then, you know, did placebo or back and forth in a randomized manner. So in the mid-age overweight women, I think it was an 8% increase in VO2 max at the end of 28 days. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a pretty significant, I think, close to like 50% in uh, work completed in time to exhaustion. Now, both myself and that research team agree that probably, you know, hydrogen isn't directly improving DO2 max, and, and that's actually what our second trial showed, but rather it's speeding up recovery. You know, they're mm. slowly working a little bit more every day, and they're recovering a little bit faster, right? Mm. And supported by a really strong rodent study 
where it was forced swim tests in rats. The one group was, you know, consumed hydrogen and the other group hadn't, and they both swam to failure. Mm -hmm. uh, in the hydrogen group, it actually spiked the stress response. So the oxidative stress went higher in, in the hydrogen group than the control group, but redox was established significantly quicker in the hydrogen group than the control group. So that means the rats had more stress as if they worked out longer and harder and did, you know, swim more than the control rats, then they were recovered and ready to go faster. Mm. You know, that that's largely supported. Um, our, our second study uh, was a 20 participant, again, double blind placebo control um, crossover. And it was uh, young, healthy, athletic participants, um, their 20s. And it was a VO2 max stress test on a, a graded increase on the treadmill. And it didn't improve VO2 max. It would be, we'd be billionaires if it did. Every athlete, amateur and pro alike would, would want this supplement immediately if a single dose improved VO2 max. Mm -hmm. uh, but what it did do is between minutes one to nine and the average drop-off was about 13 minutes, if I recall correctly, it mm -hmm. significantly reduced submaximal heart rate. So mm -hmm. it was five or six beats a minute less, meaning the hydrogen group uh, was pulling in the same oxygen, right? That the placebo group was, but the hearts were beating significantly less. So they were doing the same work, pulling in the same oxygen, but their body was working less. And Interesting. anecdotally, what we're seeing um, from a lot of pro athletes that are taking the product and a lot of aspiring pros and amateurs is, and th this is what I found back in like CrossFit, like trains, it doesn't improve like round one of your workout, but you hold your numbers a lot better. Mm. Uh, my, uh, my common law spouse, my girlfriend, um, she runs marathons and triathlons and she's training for an Ironman. She says it doesn't improve her, say, you know, 5k or three mile pace. Right. But it certainly does in a marathon. She can hold a pace for longer. Mm -hmm. So what, um, what are some other like uh, clinical uses? Do you think? Uh, clinical for athletic or other uses? Other, let's say other. Yeah. So our uh, second and third, or sorry, our third and fourth studies, the one was on non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, mm -hmm. right? Now one in three North Americans have it. In 28-day double-blind placebo control crossover, it clinically reduced liver fat, right? And um, it dropped AST by 10% and improved insulin sensitivity by 11%. Oh, nice. So that was pretty significant. And metabolic issues um, are the second biggest um, amount of human clinical evidence so far. Our fourth trial was 60 participants for six months on metabolic syndrome. And this is under review right now. But when you say your fourth trial, like our, that means that you... you... On our tablets. Okay, right. so they were, these studies were done on your tablets. So one of the things we're doing is we're supporting a lot of public research, right? I see. So today... You know, we um, have four finished clinical trials and two finished case studies. Um, one case study and one clinical trial are currently under peer review right now. Mm -hmm. um, it's in less than three years. Uh, we have um, seven currently underway, right, that are recruited and underway. We have six more in the planning stage. And we actually have, um, we're working with four other public universities on rodent programs to try and figure out the mechanisms of action of hydrogen better and other, other new areas that hydrogen can help with. So we uh, donate product and in a lot of cases, extra funds for more markers to mm -hmm. public teams under no publication agreement. That means that they're free to publish results, whether it works or it doesn't. Mm -hmm. right? So we're kind of putting it all on the line, you know, mm -hmm. on the research. And now what we're doing on top of that, we've started a private research program because a lot of public teams don't want to replicate the work of other public researchers. They always always want to do what's interesting to them. Mm. So we're coming behind all these public publications and we're fully funding private research to look to see if the results are replicated. Mm -hmm. Because replication is so important in science. Right. Uh, so that's what we're doing now. And, and this uh, metabolic syndrome one, I mean, I've, I've seen it. Um, it. It's under review right now and, and it's pretty remarkable data. It, it basically reversed metabolic syndrome in all parameters in six months. Participants lost weight, it improved their cholesterol, 
um, reduce their, their inflammatory markers, CRP, TNF-alpha, interleukin-6, improve lipid oxidation. Um, I think the only thing it wasn't beneficial for was T-bars, but it improved MDA and DN conjugates. Mm-hmm. Um, it improved, you know, serum like vitamin E and C, so improved, you know, redox and um, also improved nitrites, I believe. Um, it uh, lowered fasting blood glucose, I think, from like 126 to 102 in the H2 group while it raised. Um, I think I mentioned they lost quite a bit of weight. They improved their BMI and their waist-to-hip ratios. Um, and also dramatically lowered their um, triglycerides and uh, improved their, you know. So up. these were people with metabolic syndrome, liver, yeah, liver fat, and okay. And uh, were they diagnosed with any conditions? Uh, none of them were diabetic, so there was a lot of exclusion criteria. They couldn't okay. have any, you know, diseases. Um, fortunately, um, the FDA doesn't consider metabolic syndrome a disease; it's a reversible condition, right? right. The only things that seem to be able to help metabolic syndrome right now, there's some natural compounds that are, are promising, uh, but uh, the only surefire things are improved diet and exercise. Right. So hydrogen is as powerful as it's shown to be in this early metabolic research. That's another very key ally to help in, in this epidemic because it's really, it's one in three North Americans and Western Europeans that have Definitely. metabolic syndrome or NAFLD. And if you have one, it's a 90% correlated that you have the other, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the research coming out shows that um, not only are they causative of each other, but they're probably the same issue that are mm-hmm. currently expressing in different ways. Interesting. So then, okay. So what was the, so one was uh, the athletic research, then there's the metabolic research. And then what was number three? So number three, there's a lot of research on uh, both uh, neurological issues, both, like traumatic, like acute stresses and long-term issues. So there's a number of publications on, um, say, post-stroke recovery, right? Mm-hmm. There's actually one team uh, has a registered clinical trial. They're using the tablets right now in the U.S., um, Stony Brook uh, in New York, and it's a 100-participant post-stroke recovery, okay. right, uh, that they're doing. Uh, there's research on, um, you know, mild cognitive impairment and Alzheimer's, nothing using our tablets, but both using water and, uh, and um, inhaled gas for that. Um, one of our case studies is on um, concussion recovery. So it was in a single pro soccer player. And we're in early talks with some teams on doing a full RCT on concussion recovery. Um, there's, there's good rodent data on traumatic brain injury also. Um, there's another registered clinical trial using our tablets again out of Sunny Brook on Parkinson's disease, um, mm-hmm. 70 Parkinson's for 52 weeks. Right. So, so it's, that's a very exciting area of research. If you ask a lot of the researchers, they're most excited about the research on neurological areas, just because there's such a dearth in anything that's effective in these areas. So anything that has promise is very exciting. But uh, in my opinion, the metabolic issues is, is showing a, a stronger, more clear-cut benefit. Interesting. Um, so what are the main, like just the top... Sorry. Sorry, what, what's the top mechanism of action with hydrogen water? So we're still exploring what, what the exact mechanism of how it works because everything is indirect at this point. Uh, but hydrogen so far has shown to alter over 10,000 gene expressions. Um, it, it's... Uh, shown a benefit in 170 models. Uh, the leading hypothesis is it works via hormesis, right? Mm-hmm. And doesn't just work via hormesis, but it seems to regulate other forms of hormesis, like I mentioned, with exercise, with, you know, fasting. Not We haven't studied um, fasting in humans yet with hydrogen, but in, in other forms, we, we've got some fasting and hydrogen research. Um, the really cool thing about hydrogen, though, is there's no dose where it's shown to be toxic. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Use it, uh, and we've used it for decades in mixed gas deep sea diving at upwards of ten thousand times a dose, thousands of times a dose that we can get through through water. Uh, and it takes more hydrogen to create a narcotic-like effect to create nar- hydrogen narcosis than it takes nitrogen, which is mm-hmm. the majority of what we're breathing right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So hydrogen is so incredibly safe. So we don't yet know how it's so safe, how there's no toxic effects that are known 
but yet it's working biohormesis. But there's mm -hmm. actually a couple of teams working on this right now. Um, I know one team uh, I've heard is close. I know another team that um, I've donated or I'm donating some funds to uh, that has a really cool model and a really cool essay where they measure um, over 10,000 different protein changes. And then they have the algorithm that figures out how it happened in real time. So that's getting done, you know, that that's really getting done so we can really fully understand hydrogen. But the most important things that um, it's shown to do, you know, for us, for people who are who are interested, first, it's shown to promote homeostatic function of our redox. So it's not a direct antioxidant. It regulates our antioxidant production by the nerf two pathway, uh, but it also seems to regulate our oxidative stresses like nitric oxide because we have mm -hmm. beneficial oxidative stresses. Um, you know, nitric oxide is a, a free radical, but it, it has a lot of roles as a, a signaling molecule. So hydrogen is shown to regulate nitric oxide, but it's also shown to regulate um, production of our glutathione, superoxide dismutase, catalase, right? So in some models, hydrogen has been pro-oxidative stress, and in some models, it's been an antioxidant indirectly. Interesting. Um, likewise, it's done the same thing for autophagy, right? It's both upregulated, you know, our autophagic response, and it, it's deactivated autophagy. It deactivated autophagy, and I think um, a, a chronic heart failure model where autophagy was a bad thing. Oh, interesting. Right? So it seemed to be very smart. I don't know what word to use, but it, it seemed to regulate homeostatic function of a lot of these things. Same things in, in cellular senescence and apoptosis. Um, same thing in, in uh, inflammation. It seemed to regulate production of pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory cytokines. Um, and that's why in some models it's had no anti-inflammatory effect and in other models it's had an incredibly powerful anti-inflammatory effect. Um, mm -hmm. One of our case studies under review is topical hydrogen in a grade two ankle tear. Mm -hmm. And the 24-hour reduction in inflammation, right, from a ballooned ankle is almost magic, right? And uh, we actually have a full RCT ongoing right now recruiting out of pro soccer players that's directly comparing um, topical hydrogen to rice particle, which is rest, ice, compressed, elevate. So um, hydrogen really seems to, to have these powerful benefits, but they only seem to come as a rescue effect. You know, if, if you put hydrogen on a healthy cell in vitro, mm -hmm. nothing happens. And then mm -hmm. if you artificially damage that cell, you see all these changes, these rescuing effects coming into play. Interesting. Right? So you were um, saying before, and I want to get back to this a bit, uh, that you get hydrogen also from eating carbs, the breakdown of carbs. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Okay. So now, um, I mean, that would say that if you're on a ketogenic diet, then you'd probably do better with hydrogen. Yeah, I mean, your, your hydrogen production is already going to be impaired if you're not getting a lot of carbohydrates in. Right. Uh, and, and interestingly, a lot of these models that hydrogen shown a potential benefit in, we know have improved, or we, we know have um, impaired, you know, microbiotas, right? Mm. And actually, there, there's human research on hydrogen improving the microbiota. And there's animal research from rodents all the way to goats showing that universally hydrogen improves the microbiota. So in that sense, hydrogen, taking, drinking hydrogen water, and actually this is interesting, there's no research on inhalation improving the microbiota, which could be why drinking hydrogen works in some models where even high-dose inhalation doesn't, mm -hmm. right? It could be an additive or synergistic effect that you're both improving your microbiota use more endogenous hydrogen and you're getting the exogenous hydrogen. That's that's really interesting. Okay, and so, I, so then, yeah, I mean, anyone on a low carb diet, I would recommend uh, they should take they should get a source of hydrogen, and these these uh, tablets seem like a good source. Now, um, some of the limitations from from there, you mentioned uh, privately that there were about 60, 70 studies on hydrogen with humans in hydrogen water. Case studies to um, RCTs. Specifically mentioning hydrogen, there's 71 because I just 71. allowed the database, but there's an additional 14 that were around or before the seminal article in Nature Med that 
we now know was hydrogen water, but falsely attributed it, attributed it to electrically reduced water. But when you look at the net, uh, look at that ionizing machine, it was making above the therapeutic threshold of hydrogen, or they were using magnesium, calling it uh, a, a negative ORP oxidative reduction potential water. Interesting. Right? Yeah, so interesting. The ORP was coming from hydrogen, and of course, the magnesium blend was making hydrogen. So there's an additional 14 that, you know, in a post hoc way, we can say these were hydrogen water studies. How, how many uh, randomized clinical trials were there? Um, it's the majority. It's going to be over 50. Right? Over 50. Okay. As a rough estimate. As a rough and, estimate. and how many, and so those, those clinical trials, how many of those used, uh, how many of them were placebo controlled trials? I think it's, it, it's over 40 or 50 that are placebo controlled randomized. Um, and the big issue, my big criticism on this research is there isn't a lot of replication work. And what is replicative isn't exactly replicative. They haven't used the exact same model and the exact same dose. Uh, it, it's and why is that? Um, I have really beaten my head against the wall talking to a lot of the public researchers uh, to get results replicated. And they'll all say, oh, that's a cool model, but I need something new and novel, right? I want to do right. it this way or that way. And that's why there's a lot of supportive research, but no true replicative research because... It's all public research at this point, right? Right, so, and they're, they're, the researchers want to, they want to like learn something new, a, a unique mechanism or something like that. The, the, the researchers want to get something in a, in a high impact factor journal. They want to have a new discovery, do all this new stuff. And um, when you're trying to publish something in a journal, one of the, the big questions for the journal is, is this novel? And a purely replicative work isn't novel, right? right? All of a sudden, maybe the first work was published in a good journal, but then the replicative work is in a lower impact factor journal. So what credit did that public team get? They get nothing. Um, unless, it, unless it comes out a uh, negative trial, then they'll put it that, in a good journal. That's, that's difficult. A lot of negative trial studies don't get published because a lot of journals don't accept negative finding studies. Well, well, when, uh, yeah, so in the beginning stages, maybe, but like, let's say if they're finding antioxidants are bad or something, exactly. then they'll that's a publish that. Breaking, like when you do these massive cohort studies, like they've done on vitamin E with thousands of participants that found that high dose antioxidant therapy actually causes more all cause mortality, more heart disease, more of all these right. issues. Yeah, that, that's a big find. Right. right. But if it's a small RCT, that just had a, a negative finding or a weak trend, it's very hard to publish that. Right, right. right? Um, but likewise, if it's an exact replicative work, it's very hard to publish it in a good journal. Mm, and interesting. now they're their grant funds, right, to do an exact replicative work that isn't furthering their career, isn't furthering their knowledge, isn't doing any of these things. I and guess they might publish it if it was a really big trial. Yeah. yeah. But then that would mean that I, I, usually public funds would not cover that. It's just in a bad journal, right? Right. And now, um, and I'm not a, a, an expert in this area, but my feeling is, you know, researchers aren't going to want to do this, aren't going to want to replicate, aren't going to want negative findings. They want to be really confident about it because they're using up their grant funds. They want a promotion. They want bigger grants. They want to show their publication record, right, to, right. to expand what they can do, right, um, which is often why public research moves very, very slowly but private research moves a lot faster, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you have a target for a molecule in private research, you can just replicate, 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 and go in a straight line. But public mm -hmm. research is just all over the place. Right, right. right. In, in a thousand different directions. So what kind of IP? You mentioned uh, privately as well that, uh, you know, the, all the companies selling these tablets are essentially, they're using the IP that your company created. Yeah, so I, I, we developed the Open Cup tablets. I mean, um, there, there, there's different versions of them out there. A lot of companies have a lot of their own protocols, you know, that, that uh, they have this ingredient or they want this control in place. Um, I can't say who, who they are, right, unless they happily display our logo. So mm -hmm. there's a good 20 brands that happily put our, our logo on the back of their bottle because they want to use, you know, our clinical findings and, you know, they're proud to support us. 
others don't put it on, but they'll bring me on for interviews and talk about this stuff and mention me in articles. Um, some just want to pretend I don't exist, right? But they'll have their, <laughs> you know, uh, th there's only a few companies that are exact, you know, replicas because every company's QC product, you know, procedure is different, right? right. So we might to, you know, change this or change that to get it to work within a company's paradigm and their own quality controls, right? Right. But then we have our own quality controls too. And um, we're the first uh, hydrogen supplement in the world to have legal status, you know, with the governing body. So we successfully filed a new dietary ingredient status with the FDA, which puts us in a, a pretty small club. Um, estimates have it between about 4 to 8% of supplements on the market in the US have new dietary ingredient sets, right? Which is a legal requirement. So that took us a few years, a massive submission, um, hundreds of thousands of dollars. To Interesting, get. wow. And so how much, um, you know, let's say somebody wants to buy 60 tablets, how much uh, would that cost? How much does a bottle uh, cost? Yeah, yeah, it, it's, um, it, it's, uh, um, Retail, it's $59.99, but mm -hmm. we'll set up a discount code for your listeners so they can try it out for 10% off. Okay, that's cool. That's great. All right, so this was really interesting. Uh, we, we spoke really about a lot of stuff um, that I wanted to speak about, and it was super interesting. Where can people find more about you? Uh, so I, I have a blog myself. I've got a couple hundred thousand words of content at drinkhrw.com. Um, we can link directly to my blog. I, I write a lot about um, hydrogen, obviously, but a lot about other health issues. We have um, a small victory series that, that talks about small little improvements you can make in your life. Uh, people don't realize, you know, 100 calorie a day surplus, what that can do to your weight throughout a year and what you can do little things like just pacing around or making a slightly better decision here or there that you could go into a 100 calorie deficit. Right. People want these massive wins in life, but that's not how wins happen. They're small victories that, that add up and the boulder starts rolling. So we have that series. Um, we have a lot of more, more content too, but we'll put a, a direct link to talk about the product too. That will okay. Get you excellent. Discount code. Excellent. Uh, it was great talking to you and I wish you the best. It seems like you have something really good going on and I, I would recommend it to my listeners to buy it because, you know, I tried it out. I like it. Um, so I always, before I recommend anything, I always try it out. Um, and I've gotten a lot of people sending me stuff that I just never speak about. I never recommend um, because I really, before I, you know, before I come up with a recommendation, I really vet it. Um, and so my, the review is just for people, you know, the positives are that I think it works. It has benefits. It's, it's unclear exactly which exact condition it'll be good for, or you know that'll it'll help that'll have a clinically significant effect. But I can tell you that it does have health benefits of one kind or another. It 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 does do things that are positive for the body, and uh, you know the the research is still coming out. But I I would personally recommend it. The only thing that is uh, perhaps negative about it is like if, if you get the one that doesn't uh, that that has no flavor, um, then then it could, it doesn't taste great. But I mean, it's not terrible. It's just not like great. Uh, I can say a lot of the unflavored supplements I've had in the past, you know, because I, I used to always go for unflavored with less acceptance when I was taking a lot of pre workouts and everything. Oh, some of those are terrible. Are are way worse. You can't consume it. No, I I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, for for listeners, um, I I I'd, uh, I'd describe it best as um, a very strong mineral water. You know. Yeah, it's not it's not bad. I'm I'm not being like hyperbolic here. It's it's really it's not bad. It's just like it doesn't. It's taste not good. a it's not a beneficial like it's not a drink that you'll drink to taste well. No, to oh, taste good. And that's why we developed the blue raspberry ones, right? For yeah. people who want a drink that tastes good, we do that one. Um, we find a lot of the biohackers don't care. They chug down a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I'm, I would be one of those people, but I'm just saying like, there's, you know, I, I just want to put out the full review that, that, that no, no. It, it, yeah, hundred percent. Um, one thing I will say for people who want to see an immediate benefit, what we know about hydrogen is it seems to come to this rescue effect. 
And universally, people seem to notice a much stronger response when they're impaired in some way, right? Say you're, you're hungover or you're jet lagged and you didn't get a good night's sleep or you're super tired. That's when you get an immediate burst, right? That you feel better after a single dose, right? Um, you're going to be accumulating damage every day, even if you're healthy, right? So hydrogen is going to be slowly helping you every day. But if you want a big experiential result, take it when you're at your worst. And that's when you're really going to feel an upkick. Yeah, you know what? I'm actually going to go drink some hydrogen water now. And and you know what? I'm actually going to... I, I was a little negligent in that I, I was focused on just the hydrogen and the benefits. And like, you know, I put it as part of my regimen. I take one, caps, uh, one tablet every day. Uh, I did not yet... Um, I don't know if I tried out the, the raspberry one. So I'm going to try that one out as like something that I don't take as a, as a pill. You know, I don't, uh, because I'm sure as it is, it doesn't taste like bad or anything. I can definitely take it, but I'm, you know, I, I kind of, I smelled the raspberry one. It's, it smells like it'll taste pretty decent. It, it tastes pretty good. You know, it's, it's slightly sweetened, you know, slightly flavored. So it tastes pretty pleasant. A lot of people. Does like it have, um, uh, aspartame or something in that, in that one? It's got sucralose, and I've got an article writing why we have sucralose. Okay. Um, for instance, um, we, we've tried natural sweeteners like stevia and monk fruit. They cause foaming. They take about six minutes to disintegrate. Um, sucralose doesn't. It doesn't impair the hydrogen in any way whatsoever, right? So we still get a high dose of hydrogen. Okay. Um, now, some of the, the issues like that people bring that sucralose might affect the microbiota, well, Actually, stevia might too, right? All the reviews that talk about sucralose, <laughs> maybe, maybe not affecting the microbiota. Stevia has the exact same issue, right? Well, everything affects and, the microbiota. I mean, like... And monk fruit hasn't been studied, right? right? So right. at least we know we've studied sucralose more. And in sucralose versus stevia, um, you need four to five times more stevia to get the same sweetness as sucralose. And it... Stevia is toxic at a much lower dose than sucralose. So the safety established of sucralose is higher than stevia, and you need five times more stevia. And stevia takes it from high dose hydrogen down to about 1.6 ppm only, whereas mm. sucralose, you know, we're still getting um, five, six ppm in 500 milliliters because the flavor does lower the H2 a little bit. So if we know that hydrogen improves a microbiota, Right, and we know that both stevia and sucralose have about the same results that they impair it a little bit. You want to have the higher dose hydrogen, right? Especially because sucralose has more safety data than stevia. Um, and you know, th this is kind of um, confirmed by the fact that we know sugar is really harmful on our microbiome, but red wine improves our microbiota, right? Mm -hmm. so you got to look at the whole thing you're ingesting. Right, 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 definitely. Yeah, I mean, um, there are some people who, you, you probably know this, I mean, there's definitely people who are going to care about that, and you're not going to convince them either one way or another. Either way um, or another. And, and <laughs> those people tend to just buy the one that has no sweetener or flavor of and, any. Yeah. They, nothing makes them, you know, they don't want anything yeah. in there. And that's fine. Um, I personally don't really care that much about the, uh, like, I wouldn't care that much. I mean, I... I wouldn't drink that much of it, but I, I wouldn't say that it's like something I get much worse effects from other like some like natural ingredients, like just grains. If I eat grains compared to Splenda, yeah. Splenda, I don't think I'll notice anything, yeah. but grains I'll feel like crap. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, um, I have a artificially sweetened, you know, beverage and I, I don't feel anything. I, I have a Coke with full sugar. You know, and it drags me down. Oh, yeah, yeah. If I'm drinking, like, if I would drink a Coke, and that's not something I do ordinarily, but, I, but once in the, you know, once in the, I don't know, once every four or five, six months, I don't know. Um, if I'm drinking a Coke and it's, like, a sugar one versus a, a artificial sweetener one, I'll go with the artificial sweetener one. I, I'm the same. You're better off drinking water, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's the best, obviously. But... I, I and the best is the hydrogen one. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we, we developed the flavored one for people who, who, who like drinking soda and they like drinking juice. Right, right. 
right. to, to get a healthy alternative there that tastes good, right? That you can yeah. drink down and enjoy drinking and still get the benefits of the hydrogen. I'm actually going to try that one out right after this. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important to just really inform people about the pros and cons of each one. And 100%. You know, nothing's nothing's yeah. perfect. Right, know? right, right. Um, nothing's ever, ever perfect. And that's why I, I have an R&D lab too, you know, that I work at in every week to, since the 2,000 iterative adjustments that we got our first scale up, we have over 2,000 more to get to where we are right now. And every week we're, we're trying to improve it because for sure, we want the most people to get the highest dose of hydrogen and enjoy it at the same time. Nice. Okay, great. So um, it was great talking to you again and have a great day. Thanks, you too.